I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Checking In with Michelle Williams, a production of iHeartRadio and The Black Effect. Okay, y'all, listen. I have definitely been very intentional on my journey, my journey overcoming depression. And then I felt like, well, I had done everything to get up out of that hole, to get up out of that dark place. And I focused so much on that. Now I'm focusing on the anxiety part, right? I'm just excited to have people on the show who can help walk with you in some of the things that I walk through and some of the things that I journey through. Even just being empowered to make decisions for myself. There are times I've made decisions. Well, I'm gonna have friends and family over. I wanna make sure it's flying. And it's like, Michelle, what do you want? What do you want? Don't decorate your house for others. Don't buy clothes for others. Don't buy a car for others. Don't get your hair done for others. Don't get your hair cut. Like, yo, do it for you. But those of us who deal with anxiety, 
Do you ever feel like your own fear and anxious thoughts hold you back from living the life you want? Maybe you just weren't empowered to make decisions for yourself or you overthink and you overthink your way out of amazing opportunities. You self-sabotage. You do all these kinds of things. I've been there and there are certain things I'm still journeying through. And so my next guest has some practical answers coming up next right here on Checking In. She's a clinical psychologist and author and has also created online mental health courses, including one titled The Overthinking Toolkit. Please welcome to Checking In All the Way from London, Dr. Michaela Dunbar. Hey, hello. Hello. Now, I'm sure a lot of people come across you because of clips, you know, like from Instagram Yeah, on the Explore page. And I just said, oh, my God, she speaks to me. She speaks for me. And I could not wait to talk to you. I am a secret subscriber to your email list. I love that. <laughs> I'm just like, really? Really? It's crazy. It's been a crazy couple of years, to be fair, because I've not had the page that long. So, yeah, it's been a whirlwind. I didn't expect all the love on the page and for as many people to connect with it as possible. But it just feels like, no lie, like every successful woman that I speak to, they're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I've not spoken to a woman that doesn't get it, which is worrying, really. Not not worrying, but it's, it just means we need to do something about it. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's so good. But you said something. I'm just wondering, is success tied to the amount of anxiety a person has? Like the more anxiety you have, do you see mm. like people being more successful? Now, I'm not encouraging people to have anxiety to be successful, by the way. But you were talking about yeah. successful women. Or is that just kind of your target? The people that seem to find you there's a correlation. I don't know in which direction it goes. Like the more success you have, the more anxious you are, the more anxious you are, the more success you have. But I just know that there's some kind of relationship. But what I do find is that the more successful, and when I say successful, I mean in the kind of the Western sense, like financially successful, you've got the good job, your career's popping, all of that kind of stuff. You know, what we generally have taught about what success means when people are at the top of their game, I mean, any industry, I do find that they're just very anxious. There's a lot of stress, which makes sense because you have to do a lot of work mm -hmm. to get to where you're getting to, especially as a woman, especially as a black woman as well. You have to work harder. That's just fact. So that brings the stress. And sometimes I believe that the anxiety that we experience pushes us a little bit, but then it can go too far. It can go too far and end up hindering us and, and, and blocking our success. So there's a little bit of a balance. Like mm -hmm. we have anxiety for a reason. It keeps us alive. It pushes us a little bit under exam conditions, like going back to school. It's helpful to have a little bit of anxiety because otherwise you wouldn't care and you wouldn't revise and, you know, you wouldn't do as good of a job because you just wouldn't be that interested. But mm. sometimes the anxiety and the, the fear of failure, it pushes you to do more, but it makes you very unhappy. And in my opinion, having high levels of anxiety, high levels of stress, and just waking up and feeling unhappy every day, even if you've got all the money, even if you've got all the success. Mm. Personally, that's not the type of success that I'm trying to have. The thing is, it, you can still get it if you focus on your well-being and do it the other way around. Maybe we'll go into that. That's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kind of what I talk about on my page. But I feel like I'm trying to reframe the definition of success because the success that we're kind of working towards 
requires a lot of anxiety, stress, sleep when you're dead. And I'm just not here for that because stress kills. Absolutely, Dr. Michaela. Not only the work that it takes to become successful, I find it takes more work to maintain that level of success. And so therefore, I do believe it will take a lot more. I think a lot more anxiety comes with, okay, I got to maintain this level versus because Mm -hmm. we are in a culture of while you were sleeping, I was grinding. So it makes a person feel like even if I try to rest, I'm a bum. If I try to rest, I'm not being productive. I hate that word, productive. I hate it. (laughs) Listen, taking a nap is productive. Absolutely. I love that you said that because it's very true. We sleep for a reason. There's a reason why we sleep, rest and repair. But again, the message is off. Oh, yeah, this is so good. Okay. Dr. Michaela, you are a clinical psychologist. Tell us how you got into this wonderful field. Okay, so I'm not even going to lie and say I've wanted to be a clinical psychologist since I was a little girl because I didn't even know it existed. I thought when I was in school, I went to school in South London, difficult school. You know, I always say that you did a good job if you left school without a baby. That was kind of like just just leave school without a baby and then you've done a good job. Mm. University wasn't talked about. There's no careers fairs or anything like that wasn't talked about. I didn't even want to go to university. Like it was, my mom had to con- strategize to convince me. I didn't know clinical psychology existed. So what happened was my mum managed to talk me into going to university to do my undergraduate degree. Didn't know what I wanted to study. um, And I just felt like, okay, cool. Well, psychology. And, you know, when you go to do a graduate degree, you're like 18 or 19 at the time. I still think that's too young to know specifically what you want to do and spend three years doing it. But I said, okay, cool. I'm not very academic. But I know that psychology is really interesting to me and it doesn't feel like work. Like, so mm. what I go to lesson, we talk about brains and, you know, behavior and all the things that I'm currently doing and other people are doing. Okay, cool. Fine. I'll do it. Went to university. Then when I was in university, I got talking to some of the professors and the teachers and they were just like, that's when the, the kind of idea about clinical psychology opened up to me. And I thought, okay, let's do this. There's actually a job. It's not just for the television and it's not just for reserved for people with loads of money that can afford um, to do the doctorate, afford to do the master's. Actually, it was funded. So it just worked out perfectly. Started to build up a little bit of self-esteem and kind of think, okay, yeah, you're from where you're from, but the opportunity is there. Why not? Like literally there's nothing stopping you. So then it's a difficult process to get onto the training. Only 3% get in every year. If you miss that, you have to wait till the next year to do it. So I got in and then I was just like, fine. The first try, I got in, did the doctorate. And that's it. After that, I was in, worked in the NHS. And it's just been amazing since then. But the first thing was just kind of saying to myself, why not? Why not? Wow. That's how I fell into it. I say I fell into it because literally it wasn't like some big strategy from years and years ago. It was like, okay, cool. I like it. Let's try. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am so glad that you got into the field, Dr. Michaela. As you know, we talk a lot about depression and Mm. anxiety, which are very important topics to discuss. But I'm so glad that you talk about other specifics like overthinking, Mm self-sabotage, insecurity, Mm -hmm. And you get Mm -hmm. to the root of it all. When you're in medical school or getting a doctorate, it seems like there's a specific practice that you can go in. So just because you're in medical school, when you go into residency, you might find yourself saying, oh, I want to go into obstetrics 
oh, I want to go into mm-hmm. yeah. be a cardiac surgeon. Oh, I want to be an anesthesiologist, something, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, being someone that's in clinical psychology, which we know it's over-encompassing everything, mental illness, mental conditions, everything, yeah. right? Yeah. But you seem to have found like a cool niche. It's me. I'm the niche. I'm the person. Wow. That's how I can talk to it. This is how mm. I can talk to it because I literally talk about what I was and sometimes still do struggle with my friends, some of my family. It's just real life. Yes. When I started the Instagram page, it was just general mental health. I talked about depression. I talked about anxiety and kind of everything. But then I just thought, okay, it's easier for me to support people when I'm talking from a place of really understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes my job easier for me because I've been there when I've got somebody sitting in front of me, I'm not telling them to do something with no understanding of how it might feel to do what I'm asking them to do. I know sometimes it's hard because I've had to do it for myself. And also because I've had some of the same struggles when it comes to anxiety, overthinking, self-doubt, self-esteem, all that kind of stuff. So the groove I got into or the niche, it was me and it just made sense. Mm. Do you have people in your life who feel like because you're Dr. Michaela that you don't go through these things? You just said yourself, I still overthink. I still have some, some, yeah. you know, like, am I worthy? Am I supposed to be here? That maybe some imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Um, do I? Not anymore. Because I put it all in the book. Okay. Maybe before I started the page and before I wrote the book, you've got this. I was very much. I'm a clinical psychologist. I can't talk about my anxiety because as a clinical psychologist, why are you not practicing what you preach? Why do you have like, do you even know what you're doing if you have anxiety? So there's a lot of shame around it. So I just kind of got on with it, but that's part of the problem. That's what a lot of us do. And when you don't address it, you can't solve it. So back then I would say nobody would have known. And I've had family members saying, oh, I didn't know. And I'm like, yeah. But since the book and the Instagram page, me being very open, I don't know if there's anyone left now that doesn't know that because everyone has anxiety like it's just common everybody has anxiety they probably call it different things they probably don't know it's anxiety but i ran across a post from you on instagram as it relates to overthinking and you are committed to helping people to stop overthinking which can lead to self-sabotage which then leads mm-hmm. to self-sabotage. You destroy everything you work for. You destroy everything you prayed for because mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the mind. Yep. I am a subscriber to her emails, frozen to fearless. This <laughs> <laughs> is wild, but okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is amazing because I don't care who you are. Healing is gonna be a process. But we're going to get to also overthinking versus problem solving because I'm thinking, oh, I'm just kind of peeling back Mm. the layers of an issue. So I want to encourage people. There's nothing wrong with thinking to solve a problem. But as you talk about ruminating and then it paralyzes you and then you're always second guessing, which, by the way, are all signs Mm. of overthinking. Now, Mm. what does overthinking look like? Okay. It's, I call it like the rabbit hole. So you start off with one thought and it's usually like got a little bit of worry or concern about it. And it's usually a what if thought. Let's say you've got a presentation coming up or something. Oh, uh, what if it goes wrong? 
What if I haven't prepared enough? What if I haven't looked at all the information on the internet to be able to provide this properly? What if I mess it up? What if I've not worn the right outfit? All, all of the what ifs is basically your mind doing an audit of every single thing that can go wrong and bringing it to your attention. Now, the brain, your mind is like, it's not trying to make you unhappy. It's not trying to make you stressed. It's trying to do its job, right? It's designed to think and solve problems, just like mm. our heart is designed to blood around our body. So as you said, there's nothing wrong with thinking and there's definitely nothing wrong with problem solving. However, the overthinking comes in when if we've had difficult experiences, I would say, which who hasn't, mm -hmm. but if we've had difficult experience either growing up or it could even be in adulthood, sometimes we get stuck on the bad things that can go wrong especially if there's a situation coming up that seems like that bad thing that went wrong back then, whenever it was, whatever it was. Mm. But then fast forward to today and the overthinking can be triggered by anything, again, depending on your experience. And what you're trying to do is protect yourself. Some people think that they're solving the problem, but that's a completely different thing. Solving the problem is solving the problem. It's looking at it and it's coming up with solutions and strategies. Mm. Overthinking is just, what if? What if there's not, what should I actually do? Let's, get some concrete practical solutions down. It's, but what if this, but what if that, what if that bit of bad things happen? And oh, oh, and what happens as well is your mind likes to go back. It's like a time traveler. It goes back to think about the last time that bad thing happened. And then it picks up his negative friends and thinks about the last time that could happen and what can happen in the future. It's a proper time machine. So we just have, end up with a lot of anxiety, a lot of brain fog. We've got no head space. I like to have head space. I call it the thing is, is that the problem stays. If there is actually a problem, sometimes there's not. Sometimes we're just yeah. overthinking a thing that's not even an issue. We're just wasting our time. But if there is a problem, overthinking is not solving it. It's actually creating more problems. So I always say, if you're overthinking about something, write it down. Write it down because it could be something that needs attention. It could be something that needs attention. But just thinking about all the different, all the different, sorry, what ifs, and not wrapping it up and not thinking about how you can solve it, that's not doing anything but making you feel anxious and stressed. If you write it down mm. and actually put some proper problem solving towards it, you won't need to overthink about it anymore because it will already be solved. And overthinking can cause you to, you procrastinate. Oh, yeah. You're probably missing deadlines or opportunities. So, for Absolutely. instance, it also causes you to overthink something as small as... I promise y'all, this is what I'm going through right now. Drapery. Shades for the windows. <laughs> That's not surprising to me. I get it. I get it. It is the most foolish thing because you're like, I know you're not sitting here second guessing drapery. Mm. Should it be flushed inside the window? Well, if it's not flushed, make yeah, a freaking yeah. decision. Yeah. Make a yeah. decision. <laughs> But there's anxiety behind it. It's what if I make the wrong decision? Okay, now, a legitimate thing is they're custom. Most of the time, if it's custom, you can't get your money back because they're yeah. made specifically <laughs> for this window. Yeah. What if I'm yeah. stuck with something I don't like? Yo, yeah. make a decision. Because guess what? If you don't like it, you never know. The company might give you some wiggle room. There might be a 30-day exchange. We don't know, but make a decision. There's always a solution. 
Is that how you are with your clients? Because that's how I would be. Make a decision. <laughs> no, not that, not, not that elevated, but in my own way. But yeah. Do you want oxtail or fried chicken? <laughs> what are you overthinking? That was me yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Curry goat or oxtail? What shall I have? Okay, cool. So this is it, right? And I completely relate to that. The thing is, is that... We need to start trusting ourselves, trusting our decision making, and also trusting our ability to bounce back. I always say my bounce back game is strong. Michaela, your bounce back game is strong because even if I do make the wrong decision, I have been alive enough years now to know that I will be able to recover. So I just go for it at this point. Like, even if it is wrong, it's, I know who I am. Like, I can fix things. My life shows that. I've got this, I'm covered. So, mm. but I have to keep reminding myself of that and reminding my clients of that as well. When they're in the same situations, we need, we need to talk about self-trust now. We need to talk about the reason why you're catastrophizing. And we've got to give ourselves space and grace. I might make the wrong decision, I, but you don't know until you do it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then exactly. you're wearing your friends and family out. You're calling 12 people to help yeah. you make this decision because stop doing that that's the worst thing you can do stop doing that make the de- if you if you're a person that needs to call everybody don't call anyone to make the decision make the decision yourself start off small with small decisions and then get more confident in your decision making as you start making decisions by yourself i used to do that as well like moves my mom all the time mom 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 mom, mom. now it's like Michaela, you're grown you do not need to call your mom at this age to help you make decisions and as i as i said the more i make decisions small decisions like what to eat like what to watch at the movies if i'm going with my friends just general things that i'm doing with my day-to-day career opportunities the more i give myself the grace to mm-hmm. make mistakes but also the trust to know that I can bounce back, the easier it is. There's the the second guessing, it kind of slows down, but you just need to make those, start making those decisions by yourself, for yourself Mm. in order for that to happen. Listen, if we're talking to you, just go ahead and put your hand in the air and say, they're talking to me. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, 
Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon, and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes, packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready that, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? 
Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, part of what we're talking about, too, is the inability to make decisions, overthinking. Obviously, that's some self-doubt, right? Is that self-doubt rooted maybe in not being empowered as a child mm-hmm. to make decisions mm-hmm. for yourself? Absolutely. And maybe you didn't make a decision for yourself and then you got a bad response. And when you're a child, that bad response, that bad reaction can be, you might not even got like actually in trouble for it, but it could just be a facial expression. Like as children, we're sponges. We are looking at everything. This is how we learn about the world, right? From the adults around us, the caregivers around us, our teachers, our friends. So if we do something and we make, as you said, if we make the decision and, and somebody doesn't like it, Mm. And then they give us like a slight frown. We're like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not good at this or maybe I shouldn't do this again. And if it keeps co- happening constantly, then of course, that's the way you see the world now, right? Until you decide to change the way you see the world, to change your perception of who you are and take off all the cloak, all the other things that your family have put on you, you'll be living life, you know, in relation to the adults around you and their values and what they think is important. And that could be completely different to, to how you feel as an adult today. And also what is helpful for you as an adult today. So yeah, definitely. I I bring a lot of things back to, and it sounds cliche, but I'm a psychologist. So this is what we do, but I bring a lot of things back to childhood, a lot of things back to childhood. Doesn't mean it can't be changed. Of course it can be changed. That's why my job exists. Right. But we do have to do some digging to figure out like, is this our stuff or is this, their mm. stuff is mm. this old stuff is this past stuff so all that that we do and everything that we're talking about also has some physical things that can happen in your body heart palpitations nausea yes not being yes. able to sleep on edge you are mm-hmm. irritable and mm-hmm. you help on your site you talk about emotional regulation yes because when yes. that's dysregulated, it starts showing up in physical symptoms. You share three components of emotional regulation, initiating actions triggered by emotions, inhibiting actions mm-hmm. triggered by emotions, and modulating responses triggered by emotions. Now, it's specifically to women, because women, we are yeah. emotional, we are nurturers. Yeah. We can feel, we have intuition. I'm not saying men don't have these things, but women, we gotta, we have it like times 10,000. Yeah, I believe so. Now, when you talk about those, those things about emotional regulation, mm-hmm. are you saying that, okay, you, well, you did say we're going to have a little bit of anxiety, but the encouraging part is we have it within us to regulate it ourselves. Absolutely. And these are the things that we're not taught in the school, right? We're taught the maths and the English and the history, but we're not taught how to just be a person in this difficult world or this world that can be difficult at times and how to regulate our emotions. So I believe, and I'm, I feel like I'm being extra for saying this and extreme, but there's a lot of people in jail. There's a lot of people not alive anymore, ended their own lives, ended somebody else's life because they struggled with regulating emotion. They felt a really big emotion at the time. Maybe it was deep sadness. Maybe it was heightened anger and in that moment the best thing that they could think to do was whatever they did but that thing that they did in order to get rid of that emotion Mm -hmm. 
ended up making things much worse. And that's on the extreme end. On the other end, bringing it back to day to day, it can be like you have an opportunity. Let's just call it whatever the opportunity is. But then you feel anxious, anxiety is an emotion because you're not able to regulate that within. What you do is avoid. I'm going to run away from it now. And that's how I'm going to regulate my emotion. That's how I'm going to feel less anxious. But guess what you've just done now? You've just taken the opportunity off of the table. And now you're going to feel bad about yourself. Now you're going to be more anxious. But if we're able to to kind of sit with our emotion, the easiest way to regulate your emotion is just to sit with it. If we're able to do that, sit with the emotion and regulate it, then we can still move forward to do the things that our brain is telling us don't do, don't do. It doesn't matter what our brain is telling us really and truly. It doesn't matter how we're feeling inside. If the thing that we want to do or the thing that should be done is in line with our values, if it's in line with what's important to us, then we can do it regardless. Take the anxiety with you if you need to. If you can't regulate it, take it with you. The worst thing you can do is avoid a situation because of anxiety. Now, if the situation is obviously a life or death situation, then you avoid it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But most of the time, that's not the case. The anxiety is like you sent a risky text message to some guy and now they have a message you back. Anxiety, ah, actually, that's a fake threat, right? We need to get a clear distinction between a real threat and a fake threat. Because if we decide that the threat Mm -hmm. is real, so taking that opportunity and messing it up, if we decide that's a real threat, our body's going to be like, okay, cool, real threat, let's do this. And then you're going to get all the same physical responses, the heart palpitations, the nausea, not sleeping, or because you've decided and you've told your body essentially that this is a threat when really and truly it's not. A car coming towards you at full speed, that is a threat. Having an opportunity and stumbling on your words, that's not a real threat, right? You might feel shame, but shame is not going to kill you. It's temporary. It's temporary. That's it. It should be temporary. And Mm. emotions aren't something that we should be ashamed of or run away from. They're indicators. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. They're messengers. They alert us. You know, this is why we have them. There's nothing that works in our bodies and our minds and our emotions for no reason. Nothing is redundant. Everything has a place. And your emotions, I believe, are one of the most important things that actually keep you alive. Mm-hmm. When they arise, you can listen to them. What's this anxiety trying to tell me? Is there a real threat here? What's this anger trying to tell me? Have I Has there been an injustice? What's this guilt trying to tell me? Have I done something wrong? But you have to look at these things objectively with the facts around you. Is this how you help people, as you say, name it to tame it? Yes. So yeah. Good. That's it. That's regulating it. Name okay. it. Sit with it. This is what it is. Yeah. Okay. There you amazing. Go. Amazing. Amazing. I love how you talk about highly sensitive people because I also feel like there's a fine line of being anxious, but you're probably picking up on some energy in the room, a conversation. Yeah. I feel like I can hear literally what's not being said. Yeah. I, I, I would it. say you're a highly sensitive person. Do you relate with the the trait? I do. Yeah, there you go. That's why I love talking about it because a lot of people are like, oh, this is a thing. Yes, it's absolutely a thing. So there's a person called Dr. Elaine Aaron and she's kind of the pioneer behind the research around highly sensitive people. But in a nutshell, highly sensitive people are deep thinkers, deep feelers, and they notice and are stimulated potentially by everything around them, including the emotions of others. They can absorb the emotions of others. Facial expressions, we're going to go in like 
we're looking, we're seeing, and we're able to connect the dots, reading between the lines, body language. Okay, cool. We're picking up on that. Obviously, you know, 80% of communication is via body language, but we are really good at spotting, as you said, what's not being said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some, and, and it's great. That's what I always say is a superpower. However, if we are not able to regulate emotion because we feel our own emotions very intensely as well. So if we're not able to regulate emotion and if we're not able to have strategies to kind of slow our mind down a little bit because we are deep thinkers and deep thinking can sometimes turn into overthinking, then it can be, I call it like turn your uh, sensitivity from a saboteur to a superpower because it can in the wrong, under the wrong circumstances. Mm-hmm. And if we're not able to manage the traits, it can actually be a hindrance and make us feel, you know, quite bad. The, the statistics show that highly sensitive children that grow up in a difficult environment and an emotionally invalidated environment are more likely to go on to develop problems with mental health growing up, sorry, as an adult. Mm. However, highly sensitive children in a nice environment, a validating environment actually do better than less sensitive children. So again, it just depends like sensitivity or superpower. Yeah. Now, if I was talking to somebody in the church, they say, girl, that ain't nothing but the spirit of discernment. (laughs) Where you? (laughs) Yeah, fine. (laughs) But but isn't that amazing of science and spirit? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We are spirit as well. And I lean into and I accept even being able to put language and word to it as far as being a highly sensitive person. But it can also have its negative effects because you're absorbing everything and you're a sponge. And it's almost like the mood or spirit of a room, instead of you changing that spirit or mood in the room, you almost Mm -hmm. have to retreat. Times I have to leave a space. Yeah, that's okay. I recommend it. (laughs) Now- I recommend it. Is a highly sensitive person the same as introverted? Because to me, an HSP has to leave a room to recharge. I feel. Absolutely. There you go. So there are a lot of introvert, highly sensitive people, and there are extrovert, highly sensitive people. Mm. It's not leaving the room because you have kind of an anxiety around it, or you just, you don't enjoy being around people. It's just, you're absorbing a lot and you need to take a break. And I recommend people do that. If you identify as a highly sensitive person, you know that you absorb the emotions of others and the people that are in the room with you, you know, or the, the environment isn't the best and it's a little, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Little negative. We're going to absorb that. So you're well within your right to take yourself out of that situation. And you know how it is. You're a highly sensitive person. Mm-hmm. When you're mm-hmm. in a comfortable environment, you've got the energy. You probably are an extrovert. And when you know, it's a little bit more negative and there's just things that you just don't feel comfortable with or the energy you're picking it up, then you're a little bit more quiet. It just depends on the environment Mm. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Now, do you agree that very creative people like writers, Mm. musicians and artists are highly sensitive? And is that a gift? Absolutely. I'm not saying that all artists and creatives are highly sensitive people. I'm just saying that a lot of highly sensitive people are very creative. So, and that's just, again, it's okay. the correlation. I'm just, okay. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the creativity is definitely, and the, the, we, cause we absorb the feeling that you get from art, music, whatever it is, like you can, it's tangible. So it would make sense that, you know, you would lean into the, the creative side of things. And some people don't get the opportunity to, 
But if you do, I would say if you consider yourself a highly sensitive person, then pick up something, a paintbrush, sing, okay. draw, whatever it is, write, whatever it is, and just allow yourself, you have to have the time to do it, but allow yourself for, to just let the creativity flow and see what happens. Because there is definitely something in there. That's so good because there was definitely the question, you know, of what a person can do that is highly sensitive, soothing, self-soothing, like like you said, painting, mm-hmm. drinking tea, mm-hmm. prayer, meditation, yes, which is yes, whether that. you're highly sensitive or not, are, I think those are some of the things we should make some daily devotion or practice anyway. What about mm-hmm. being highly sensitive and you're always indecisive? Again, I think it comes back to what we were talking about earlier with the deep thinking. Okay. So highly sensitive people, we, we like to be thorough because we're absorbing a lot of information and we can do that. We like to get different pieces of information to make the right decision. But sometimes we can spend forever trying to gather all of the information possible to help us make this one small decision and it delays the decision-making. Sometimes it stops mm. the decision-making. And again, as I said before, if you don't then make those decisions, you lose your confidence in making decisions and then becoming making decisions for yourself is always a big, big thing. Actually, we just need to say, okay, fine. I'm going to give myself 10 minutes to research this thing or however, set a, set a boundary around it and then and just go for it. Make that decision. And again, tell yourself my bounce back game is strong. If it's the wrong decision, mm. I will be able to recover. Mm-hmm. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it. And I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I love the latest initiative you have about overcoming being comfortable. Yes. You know, overcoming (laughs) being comfortable. You like, "Uh uh-uh, I want you to be uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. You said, I don't want to just see you as a comfortable woman. Being comfortable yes. doesn't equal happiness, peace of mind, or encourage you to create the life you really want. As the saying goes, your comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing mm-hmm. ever grows there. That's that right. is amazing. Because you said from months from now, I want to see you be a courageous woman. And y'all, this mm-hmm. is from her frozen to fearless that I'm a subscriber yes. to. 
you know, in the podcast um, that I recorded not too long ago with Dr. Roman Zanani, you know, when a person is always going along to get along, you're always agreeing with things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You lose your own voice, your authenticity, your identity, and Mm -hmm. you become Mm -hmm. just kind of morphing into another identity that's maybe been created for you. So you don't have the courage. Mm -hmm. You're full of fear because you're afraid that if you actually do something for yourself, you're going to get penalized Mm -hmm. for that. And that's uncomfortable. But imagine if you didn't care about feeling uncomfortable. Imagine if fear was not an issue. Not if you never felt fear, because that's impossible. But if you didn't let fear stop you, you didn't let anxiety stop you, you didn't let discomfort or boredom stop you, you mm-hmm. could do anything. So being comfortable, as I said, it's, it's nice to be comfortable, but also it will not get you the situation that you really want. You know, that deep desire. That yeah. requires the gap between where you are now And that deep desire you have, whether it is that big success or it is that strong relationship or it is that I've got my voice now. So people are not walking all over me because I can set boundaries now, whether it is that that gap is going to take a little bit of discomfort is going to be, especially if you're not used to doing it and not used to using that voice and not used to, you know, standing up for yourself, then in order to get there it's not going to happen if we just stay comfortable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to ruffle feathers, not even in a big, huge way, but and sometimes the only feathers we're ruffling is our own most of the time. We make a big deal about setting boundaries and a big deal about doing this project and this thing. It's a very straightforward thing to do, but we create a scene about it. But if we get used to feeling uncomfortable or don't fear emotion, don't fear the more uncomfortable emotion because okay. you don't need to, then we're okay. coming from a place of, that's a very powerful place to be coming from. It's a very powerful place to be coming from. Like my emotions will not stop me. Anxiety will not stop me. Fear will not stop me. As I said, that's a very, very, very powerful place to come from. That's so good. And lastly, you made a confession and you said, when I really started Mm -hmm. to see change and progression in my career and relationships was when I stopped making my issues about everyone else and invested Mm -hmm. time and money into Mm -hmm. myself. Because if we want to overcome some of these issues, we have to make certain investments. I definitely consider you guys her courses, counseling, to get to the root of that overthinking, which is so paralyzing. It keeps you Mm -hmm. from making decisions, even something as simple as like, should I go to Greece or the Caribbean for a vacation? Yeah. Yeah. Pick a place. They're both amazing. It's not a problem. (laughs) They're both know, right? Like I said, it just keeps us from living. It keeps us yeah, it from slows you down. living. What do you say to the person who feels like they're just way in over their head? They're also saying, Michaela and Michelle, I hear you, but I'm in too deep to get out. Find somebody that can help you get out. Make a decision. As long as you have intention, you've created mm-hmm. the possibility to get yourself out of this situation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you have the intention to, pro- I call it emotional well-being, I'm setting emotional well-being goals in 2023, not financial goals. So if you have an intention to make your emotional well-being a priority and you put the steps in place, you will, just by the nature of putting your energy towards it, be able to bring yourself out. Maybe not by yourself. Mm-hmm. If you've already tried it, you've tried the self-help stuff and it's not working, then maybe we need to think about a strategy about how you can access support from an external person whether it's one-to-one support, group support, 
it, like in the process of the fearless membership, that kind of support, just whatever it is, something needs to be done. Mm. Everyone can get themselves out of that situation. Absolutely. Whether it's by themselves or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you do it, but it can be done. As I said before, this is why my job exists. And it doesn't need to be a clinical psychologist. It can be anyone that you can speak to and develop. And you said something before about having the language and the words to be able to explain certain things. That's even very powerful. Just knowing how to name your emotions and say how you're feeling. Some of us didn't get that opportunity growing up. You don't talk about emotions in certain communities and it's not a thing you just get on with it life is hard but then you lose the ability to to talk about how you're feeling and share and and if you can't talk about how you're feeling then how can you fix it right. like how can you do anything about it so i would definitely say if you've set the intention so things can start rolling put the action towards that intention self-help there's books out there there's loads of things so if you haven't done anything start with that or lead them to you where can we find you <laughs> yeah exactly go to instagram find my easy therapy and there's loads of stuff on there but even outside of what I'm, and this is why i'm offering this as well like mm-hmm. i the way i run my page is very real is very light there's lots of illustration on there because i want people to know that it's not that deep like it feels that deep but everybody has a battle everybody is struggling with some Thing. nobody's life is perfect it's impossible so, so i want everyone to have the language to say i feel anxious today i felt really sad i couldn't get out of bed for a couple of days the other day just being able to name that and say it mm-hmm. remember shame grows in the dark so as soon as you start owning your stuff and talking about what's going on for you it takes a shame off of the table because this is nothing to be ashamed ashamed about emotions are god-given mm-hmm. like they're here for a reason to keep us alive so if we're struggling with them, of course we can get help. So good. Are you in private practice? I am. I've only got a few slots. It's getting quite busy now, but I do still have a few one-to-one slots that I open up like every three months. Okay. And y'all, she is based in London. So all the listeners who are based in London, you better go to My Easy Therapy and you can find her site as well, if you click the link in her bio and prayerfully, you're one of those that can get in, in private practice. <laughs> one last question as we're getting ready to go. Being from the UK and, of course, seeing stuff across the pond as a black woman in London. Yeah. Are you seeing similarities as it relates to race and mental health? And are you able to mm-hmm. study what you see in America as well? Are they kind of the same? So I actually, because I'm all online now, so I have clients, like one-to-one clients from the US as well. And actually- Oh, you do? I do, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the bulk of the membership, and I think it's because US seems a bit further along in in terms of their understanding of mental health, and there's more stigma in the UK, let's just say that. Not massively, but there's more. The membership is actually- majority of people from the US, which is amazing. I love to be able to support people from all around the world. Okay. Um, but in terms of the race things, there are the same issues, but definitely I think it's to a higher level. The impact might be the same, but the instances, the triggers, I believe are bigger in America. It's a bigger place anyway, but there's a lot more mm. from what I see. I you know I'm only getting stuff I saw the news and you know people that I talk to, but yeah. from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, there's much more triggers. There's a lot of stuff that people are having, black women, black people are having to deal with in America. That even though I'm in Britain, which is you know 
you would expect there to be a little bit more, but maybe it's just racism in Britain. Maybe it's because it's smaller. There are stuff going on, but I definitely think that in the US, it's more difficult. Let's just say that. The impact is the same, but Mm -hmm. there's more triggers and it's more difficult. That's so amazing that you would say everywhere we go, the impact of racism, the impact of violence, the impact of injustice Mm -hmm. is all the same. Dr. Michaela, thank you. Do you have any upcoming projects or courses that we need to be aware of? So the book you've got this, I would say that's the best bet. There's the UK version now. The US version is coming out next year, but you can still pick up the UK version. That's called You've Got This. The Overthinking Toolkit is great. And these are things for people who maybe you've got a therapist already, but they're not really tapping into the highly sensitive piece. A lot of therapists don't even know about the highly sensitive trait. And I think that's why is you know the, the page has got so big because I talk about it so much. So if you feel like you need a little add-on from your therapy sessions, I've got people in there that already have a therapist. If you yes. feel like you want to learn more, you don't have a therapist or a coach, and you want to focus on your well-being goals, emotional well-being goals in 2023, then the membership is perfect for that. The book as well is great. I would start with the book if you want to just ease yourself in and you're not sure if a group would be helpful for you. But yeah, if I would say at my easy therapy. The, all the resources are there in the link in bio. Hopefully there's enough. There'll be more. Ooh. There'll be more. This is just the beginning, really. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. McKaylin. I'm so happy that you are out here. Y'all, her bio says that she is here to help sensitive, ambitious women conquer overthinking, self-doubt, anxiety, and rest. Yes, capital. And it's all in caps, R-E-S-T. So we want everybody to rest. Again, Dr. McKay, we're so thankful for your time today and helping us get some understanding about the effects of overthinking. And maybe somebody is sitting here today saying, you know what? I think I am an overthinker. So this episode is Mm -hmm. definitely for you and it was definitely for me we'll see you again thank you so much for having me okay didn't i tell y'all why this was amazing ah listen she's got a post right now that says this is why anxious people can be indecisive what anxiety causes it causes you to doubt second guess and make it hard to make decisions and so listen did y'all like this episode i think i'm gonna have her back and i was so happy she took time out of her busy schedule now y'all it's a huge time difference between the east coast here in the united states and the united kingdom so i'm glad she could join us she is absolutely amazing and so keep me posted and tell me what you're thinking about these episodes truly know that you're loved and there's really nothing you can do about it until next time keep checking in Checking in with Michelle Williams is a production of iHeartRadio and The Black Effect. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Johnny B. Good. 
the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.